The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC is available online at www.overlandpark.cc. Welcome to Overland Park Community Church. Happy Mother's Day as we uh, end our series today on tribalism. I've enjoyed uh, looking at this and thinking about it, and it helps me. Um, I hope it helps you as much as it helps me to refocus and be very intentional about I'm developing my children for the Lord, and all of us, I think, individually, who have a relationship with the Lord, we want to see the Lord do amazing things in our lives. We want to see, like, the hand of God move. Uh, One of the verses I have up on my whiteboard that I've been praying consistently is that the hand of the Lord was up on them, and and the, the gospel, like, it increased, it spread, the word spread. And I pray that the hand of the Lord is upon me and I'm able to see the word spread through our community, through your life, um, through my own life, through people I I come in contact with. That's that's what I want to see happen. But the truth is, um, even as we have that hope for ourselves and that hope for our children, and really uh, that's our primary responsibility is is seeing that it happens in our our kids' lives, in our own lives, there's an enemy that's constantly building uh, fortresses, trying to stop us. Like, if you study New Testament theology, you can see that there is a, a, a force of darkness in this world, the um, power of the prince of darkness that moves in and around us and, and really um, is the prince of the world right now. Like, he has reign to move, and, and ultimately Jesus will return to completely destroy his work. But right now for a season, um, there is, there is a, a force of darkness that comes against us uh, that causes us sometimes to plunge deeper into pursuit of sin. And that's our nature. We come into this world with a sinful nature. And so this, this force is trying to pull people away from the things of the Lord. And the Lord wants incredible things for us. This is why we see... Uh, uh, forces or, or fortresses that seem impenetrable. This is why our culture struggles with addiction. Because it's a fortress that is built around people that causes them to pursue something other than the things of the Lord. Because we're designed to be at peace and to be at, at, um, at peace with God and peace with each other. Yet we find ourselves in conflict with God. We find ourselves in conflict with each other and we look for ways to sustain us, to really just be able to make sense uh, of, of life itself, to try to bring a little bit of enjoyment to it. And if we don't know the Lord or if we get into a place, uh, maybe we're just caught up in a fog and we're not seeing things clearly, we're not seeing truth, uh, then we can begin to pursue things that are very um, destructive for us. They're destructive for our relationships. They're destructive uh, primarily for our relationship with the Lord. And vertically, if that relationship gets all messed up, then it messes up our relationships with each other. And, and relationships end in divorce and, and like just anger and, and, and just crazy things happen to people all around us. And, and it can be... Um, it manifested in, um, you know, like I said, addiction. Um, you could be addicted to drugs. You could be addicted to alcohol. You could be addicted to shopping. I thought the guys would say amen. You could be, a, ladies, ladies, you could be addicted to hunting. 
<laughs> so uh, you, there's all kinds of things that can pull us away. Things you know, that may in and of themselves not be bad until they begin to come in between us and the Lord and, and the enemy causes us to fall in love with the wrong things, the stuff of the world, the pleasures of the world, as opposed to falling in love with Jesus himself. And so on this Mother's Day, as we think in terms of raising our children and being tribal people, like the Lord used the tribe and the, the tribes of the nation of Israel to pass down uh, the legacy of faith. He wanted um, them to talk about their relationship with him. And we, we, we've talked in this series about, man, if you're going to talk to your kids about the Lord, you better have something to say. And the Lord is always moving and we have to be in harmony with that movement so that we have stories to share. We have stories to share with our kids about how the Lord is moving in our lives. If the only short stories we have to share are the stories we hear the, the people, uh, maybe the professional uh, Christians like myself, people who are ministers, if you only rely on my stories, it's hard to get your children to buy into your faith. And so you have to have your own stories, times and experiences when the Lord has done something in your life. And, and those stories, they not only will impact your children, they will impact me as a minister. As I hear your stories, I get encouraged, I get excited, I see the Lord moving in your life. And you should get excited and encouraged by the stories that are happening in my life. And we, as the New Testament says, we spur one another on to good deeds in the Lord because God is moving in our lives. But the, this, this fortress idea, this enemy coming against us, trying to stop us, this is what he's trying to stop because this is the eternal stuff. It's the stuff that really matters in life. And last week we looked at the character Joshua and we saw how um, he faced an obstacle and the Lord asked him and challenged him to do something um, sort of risky, very scary. He was going to lead the nation um, from this side of the Jordan River to the other side, and God was going to perform a miracle in the midst of that, and, and he told them to consecrate themselves. When you see the ark of the Lord move, you move out too, and they were to move in the midst of that, and then God did a miracle, and the, the water was held back, and they were able to cross the Jordan at flood stage um, on dry ground, and so we, you know, I kind of talked about, and just, just for the sake of review real quick to set us up for where we're going today, the Lord parted the Red Sea to let the nation of Israel out of bondage. He parted the Jordan to let the nation of Israel into the promised life. So he parted the Red Sea to let them out. He parts the Jordan to let them in. He does the same thing in our lives. Our, our miracle, our Red Sea miracle, and, and that miracle is designed to, to speak to the Israelites, certainly in that day, but it is also a foreshadowing of the resurrection of Jesus. And because of the resurrection of Christ and, and people being in the bondage of sin in this dark world, the Lord does a work in our lives. He forgives us of our sin, and, and it's called spiritual birth, and He lets us out of captivity. And so we're let out, but then there is another miracle that can take place in our lives when we are let into the promised life. And so those, that's all wrapped up in the resurrection, and the resurrection accomplishes that. But we're not only to be let out of the bondage of our sin, we're to be let into living a promised life. And so when Joshua goes over to the other side of the Jordan, um, the Lord is wanting him to follow him. And every time he sees the Lord move, he's to lead 
the people into the battles that they are to face. And so he consistently do, did that, and that's what made him such an incredible tribal warrior. And, and as tribal warriors for us, we must follow the Lord and allow him to destroy the fortresses in our lives. If we're really in the midst of the battle, we're consistently going to need the hand of the Lord to move to destroy things that are keeping him from producing the fruit in our lives that he wants to produce. And so we get, we get caught up in this cycle, or we should be caught up in this cycle of life in which the Lord is constantly moving, we're constantly following, and we're acting like warriors and moving like warriors, and the Lord is constantly bringing down strongholds so that the kingdom can advance in our lives and impact the world in which we're living. And so in Joshua chapter 5 and 6, we find a pattern developing with the Lord and how we could function as tribal warriors. And the pattern is God's plan uh, for us to be able to fulfill what it is that he's asked us to do. So here we are, we're, we, we go back in the context of what we're going to look at today, and Israel's on this side of the Jordan. And as long as they're on this side of the Jordan, and the promised life is on that side, all that the, that the Lord had promised that they could have, the ground, like he even made the promise to Joshua, wherever your foot touches, I'm going to give it to you. And you're going to go in and you're going to conquer these rogue nations. And I'm going to be with you and I'm going to fight for you. So on this side of the Jordan, they have never been in a battle. They have an untrained army. They have been slaves, okay? Then they wandered around in the desert for 40 years because of un the unbelief of their parents. And when that generation died off, the Lord was going to reestablish them and he wanted them to reinforce what he was going to do in the promise throughout those four decades. And he wanted them to enter into the promised life. So on this side, they're looking over. Everything that is promised to them is over there. But there are a lot of enemies. As soon as they move from this side of the river to that side of the river, they're in hostile territory. Over here, they're observers of the potential battle. Over here, they are vulnerable to being attacked from the enemy itself. And I think when we get serious about serving the Lord, and, we, and it, it no longer is a, a Sunday morning experience about religion, but it is a life that we're living, we're moving from this side of the Jordan to that side of the Jordan. We're moving from being uh, ob observing the promised life to living the promised life. And when you live the promised life, until Jesus comes back, you will face enemies. And so it's, it's really interesting some of the things that happen to them and especially the first thing that happens to them. So here they are. You imagine, man, they, they, they are like the Ark of the Covenant is taken up and it's moved out into the water. And the Lord stops as the priests are standing out there. The, the water is held back and they start crossing over and they get on the other side and everybody is on fire for the Lord. You ever been in those moments? Like people are just on fire for Jesus. Like that's what we, you want to be around people who are on fire for Jesus. I don't want to be in a church where people aren't on fire for Jesus. I don't want to listen to a person preach who's not on fire for Jesus. I want to be around people who are on fire for the Lord. And so they come across the Jordan men and they are on fire. Like, the Lord, did you see what God just did? And man, they are chattering and they are talking and they are just fired up. And here's the lesson we need to take away from this experience. We need greater courage after every conquest. Every time you conquer something in your life, 
you're going to need a significant amount more courage to conquer the next thing. If you're going to move from merely observing the battlefield to being on the battlefield, once you get over on the other side, you need greater courage. And the Lord will ask you to do things that you're just like, say what? Like, it happens to me all the time. Some of you, um, it's happening to right now. I've been walking with some of you and, 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 and challenging you in different ways, and you have kind of crossed over the Jordan and you're experiencing some things in your life that you've never experienced before as you think about who are you to walk with. And so you're, you're like on the other side and, and, and the Lord has put you in this position of vulnerability and, and you find yourself, why, why am I even here? And the Lord does stuff and He asks us to do things that are they're really challenging and it should be happening. It should be a pattern that we become comfortable with. The Lord always putting us in a place of vulnerability. I want you to watch from the Scripture after they pass from this side to the next side what the Lord asked them to do. And keep in mind, they are now in enemy territory. There is no longer a border, border that's protecting them, a natural border. They are in there. And listen to what the Lord says to Joshua. Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the curse or coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted and they no longer had the courage to face the Israelites. So there was like the word was spreading among the enemy nations. Um, but the, the still, there's work to be done. And the Lord asked them, at that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. Now, when it says again, why does it say that? Because this generation had not been circumcised and they needed to be reminded of the, the covenant. What was the covenant? The covenant was a promise that God made to Abraham long ago that he was going to make them into a great nation. And the circumcision represented that covenant that God had made, that promise. So take all of your warriors now that you are in enemy territory and wound them. Say, what? <laughs> and wound them in a very like vulnerable place, right? Like, seriously, just thinking about what the Lord is asking them to do now that they're in, in uh, enemy territory is, is sort of insane. Take your entire army, all of your men, your fighting men, and wound them so that they will be very vulnerable for several days. And, and that's what they're asked to do. So the, as the word is spreading about the dry crossing, they're stoked and God asked them to do something personal that required greater courage than crossing the Jordan. Before, they only needed to get wet. Now they had to get wounded. Like things were intensifying for them and it, and it didn't make a, a whole lot of sense. Now there's no border and they could be attacked. And they went um, from this place of facing water to facing warriors. It was, it was just a crazy thing for a, a person to have to do. The risk is intensifying and this is what God does in our lives. It's that whenever we have a, a conquest, the risk should intensify, and as it becomes greater, we see the Lord moving in more significant ways, and the Lord knows that now we're not just celebrating being let out of bondage, we're celebrating being let into the promised life and being warriors for Christ the King. And verse 8 says, and after the whole nation had been circumcised, they remained where they were in camp until they were healed. 
Now, why did God do this? I think he did it for two reasons. First of all, he wanted the faith to be their own. He did not want their faith to be that of their parents. And so I'd say to uh, all the kids here um, that, listen, your faith, there has to be a time that comes in your life where your faith is no longer your parents' faith. Like, it has to, you have to own it and grab a hold of it, and it has to become yours. As you grow up as a child, there are things that your, kid, your, your parents are going to teach you. They, if, they're, if they're following the will of the Lord, they're impressing the truths of God upon your life. But for every one of us, there comes a day that we have to make a decision that we're going to own that faith. And I'm going to believe that faith of the Word. And it's not enough to rely on the faith of my parents. Just because my parents follow the Lord does not necessarily mean that I am following the Lord or that I know the Lord the way that they do. I may know the Lord um, because they talk about the Lord and I, I may know the Word because they talk about the Word, but there comes a time where you need to know Jesus yourself. You need to know the word yourself. And that's true for every one of us. So the, the Lord has that expectation for us, and that's why he asked this generation to make this commitment and do this very difficult thing. The second reason is it teaches us to trust. Okay? So the second reason is it, teaches, it taught them to trust the Lord. So the Lord is weakening them for a moment, and they have to trust that God will protect them in the midst of their weakness. Because their warriors were not going to be able to do battle until they healed. And so they had to rely completely upon the protection of the Lord. So we look at this and we see that their faith needs to be owned by each one of us. And we need to develop a significant amount of trust. These are two very important principles for us. So we need greater courage after every conquest. But the good news is, is when we obey, things will give way. They will just, stuff will start to happen. If we don't obey, stuff doesn't start to happen. Like, if you want to see the Lord continue to move, you got to be obedient to what he's already asked you to do. And when you're obedient, you'll see stuff start to give way in your life. Look at verse 9. Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. So the place has been called Gilgal to this day. And on the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. The day after the Passover, that very day, they, that very day, they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. The manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. What does that mean, the manna? Well, the manna, during the time of wandering around in Israel, one of the, or the desert, one of the miracles that God performed for these people in this 40 years is they ate this stuff called manna. And it was teaching them that they were not going to have the promised life because they didn't believe. And it was somewhat of a consequence for their failure to believe their parents, their kids grew up all their lives eating manna. Like manicotti. Like, <laughs> manana pudding. No, they didn't. They ate this, this, this stuff like coriander seed would, would fall from the sky. They would gather it and they would grind it up into a meal. And, and that's what they ate. But they're... The spies had come back and reported that the land that God had promised to them was flowing with milk and honey. Like the, the grapes grow over there, like they're incredible. Like the, the produce of this land is amazing. But there are giants over there. And so the people got terrified of the giants and didn't think the Lord, wasn't thinking about the Lord delivering them. And so they were punished and the consequence was they were going to eat 
this bland manna for 40 years until that generation died off. And the reason that Joshua doesn't die is because he and Caleb alone from the 12 spies returned and said, no, we can do this. Their faith was white hot. They believed they could conquer in the enemy territory. Why? Because God told them they could and they believed in the Lord. And 10 of them did not. And because of the 10 that did not, they persuaded the entire crew and there were consequences for the entire nation. But when they obeyed this time and they go into the promised land, this generation says we're not going to make the mistake of our parents we're going to believe the Lord we're going to live in the promised land we're going to take it for our own and when the Lord asks us to do something hard we're going to have the courage to do it so they did it and because they did it things started to give way in their lives they went from bland to beautiful okay they went from this bland life bland um, eating to this incredible paradise of the Lord and they were faithful in that and so God will encourage and bless us along the way of obedience, but it will not happen if we're standing still. Remember, in order for the Lord to bring about the blessing and break through for you, it requires obedience. Why? Is it because we, we live this work-style thing where we please God? No, that's not it at all. God is just wanting to take us on a journey. And Jesus talked often about, if you want to be my disciple, take up your cross and do what? Follow me. It's all about a journey. And so the Lord is wanting us to take the next step in the journey. And until we take the next step in the journey, he's not going to allow us to experience the blessing of that promised life. What did Jesus say in John chapter 10, verse 10? I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why is the thief come? To kill, to steal, and to destroy. And so what happens is, is if we remain in this place of infancy spiritually and never taking the next step that requires greater courage, then we end up eating baby food all of our lives. All along where the meat and milk and honey is over here on the other side. And we're just eating baby food, looking at it, going, well, I know the Lord promises it, but why can't I get me some of that? Because you won't take a step and move into obedience. When you take that step and you move into obedience, then God can begin to allow things to give way in your life. So we don't want to be caught standing still to be tribal warriors. We have to have courage after every conquest, and we have to obey, and then things will start give, to give way. Now, in the midst of obedience... When we are on mission, God will send us like these messages of encouragement. And so God, he, he does things in the midst of us following him as tribal warriors where he keeps us encouraged along the path as we're following him. Imagine Joshua is taking a walk. They're on the other side of the Jordan. They've been obedient and had the greater courage after the conquest. And so they've, they've gone through the circumcision piece. They, they're going through the healing. Joshua is out taking a walk. He's surveying the territory. He looks up and he can see out in the distance the city of Jericho, this incredible nation, a walled city. It was the walled city that he had saw 40 years ago with the spies that they used. He said, man, their cities are walled. We'll never be able to penetrate them. There's no way that we could take those people. And so now Joshua doesn't have Moses anymore. It's just Joshua. He's taking a walk. He's probably talking to the Lord, having him some abide time. And he looks and he's, he sees the city of Jericho. And all of a sudden he encounters somebody with a weapon. And he doesn't know who it is probably just terrified him. And so we see the experience in verse 13. Now when Joshua was near uh, Jericho, he looked up and he saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and asked, are you for us or for our enemies? Neither, he replied. 
But as commander of the army of the Lord, I've now come. Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, what message does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. And so he encounters this guy. Now, I haven't ever had anything like that happen to me where I encountered an angelic being, a messenger of the Lord, as Joshua has here. And I don't, I'm not so sure the Lord operates that way. And you say, well, why not? Well, because now we live in the age of grace and through the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God now resides in me. He indwells me. And so the Lord is constantly with me and guiding me. But it, it happens, I think, one of the things that remains in common is what message does my Lord have for his servant? If you want to hear from the Lord and you want him to send you messages of encouragement, you have to be sensitive enough to be able to realize when God is giving you one of those messages. And he will use all sorts of things to keep us encouraged. I've never again had an angelic being visit me, but I have often had little messages come through other people. Sometimes the word. Sometimes I'm just in the word and I'm reading the word and I'm having my abide time with the Lord. And, and man, the Lord just lifts me up and encourages me through it. Sometimes I'm listening to a song and I'm I'm driving down the road and all of a sudden the Spirit of the Lord hits me and He speaks to me about something specific that I've been thinking about. Is this what God wants me to do? And all of a sudden I'm overwhelmed by the uh, power of the Holy Spirit and I just know that God used some little thing in this song. And it, can, it can be a Christian song. It can be a secular song. It can be anything. And God can use it to speak to us and, and send us a message. Sometimes He does it um, through a person I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes people I don't know, God will use them to speak to me in a certain way to bring confirmation about something I'm trying to get uh, an answer about. And then sometimes God will do it through people that I do know. As a matter of fact, many of you here today at some time or another, God has used you to speak to me. And you didn't even know that he was using you to speak to me. But if the, uh, what we believe about the Bible is true, we are the body of Christ. And so the body of Christ teaches us in Corinthians that we serve as the hands, the feet, the eyes, the ears, and the mouth, the lips of God. And, and now a person who is a servant of the Lord can never contradict what the Lord teaches in His Word. That's why we need to be people of the Word so that if somebody who is part of the body of Christ or are claiming to be part of the body of Christ, they begin to try to speak something into our lives, we can uh, compare it to what the Word says and make a good decision about what is God trying to communicate to me through this person and so we encourage one another we speak into each other's lives as we do life together and and the Lord is like using those things to keep us encouraged along the way as he's asking us to do very difficult things that require greater courage so there's a certain amount of courage that a person has to muster up to say you know what I need to surrender my life to the Lord. I've never done that. I need to make a conscientious decision in my mind and in my heart that my life is no longer mine. I'm going to give it to Jesus. That takes courage. Like Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, what do you got to do? Sit down and count the cost. Do you really want to do this? And the Lord invites us to um, take our will and surrender it to him. We can't do it if he doesn't give the invitation. Jesus also says nobody can come to the Father unless the Father draws him unto himself. But when the Father starts to draw, it takes courage to respond to the wooing of the Holy Spirit and saying yes to Jesus. Once you say yes to Jesus, guess what's one of the things that the Lord wants you to do? Get baptized. We see every person in the New Testament that met the Lord and had a spiritual birth, it was always followed by baptism. They got baptized. 
That takes greater courage than it does to open up my mouth and say yes to Jesus. Because going from that private confession to the Lord is now a public confession to others, seeing that I have made the decision to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I confess and I go public with my faith. That takes greater courage. Another thing the Lord asks us to do is to begin to to give and, and serve faithfully with our giving. We are commanded in Scripture that the first fruits of all of our income are to go to the Lord. That takes courage. It's like nerve-wracking. Well, but sometimes we kind of get those down, and then we quit. And we're supposed to be manifesting greater courage, and greater courage, and greater courage. And the Lord taking us into new territory, all the time challenging us with new things. And when, when that happens, then God will send us messages along the way. They're like breadcrumbs that the Lord drops down to keep us following Him, to keep us from giving up. I, uh, I have a, a breadcrumb that happened for me this last week, and, and I, I can't share it with you, but I will soon. And it was a breadcrumb. And the Lord was just saying, man, I want to keep you encouraged, Jimmy, and I'm going to do this for you. And it was an incredible thing that I never, I never saw it coming. I'm so excited about um, how it's going to impact me personally and how it's going to impact our church. And you're going to be excited too. And I'm not telling you, so don't ask me, Abby. Not even you. Nobody knows this but me, okay? And so the Lord has got to hold it in. But it's exciting news. And it's a breadcrumb that the Lord is is offering to keep me uh, encouraged as I'm faithful to the Lord and and as a church as we're faithful to the Lord. So we, we need greater courage after every conquest. When we obey, things will give way. When we are on mission, God will send messages. And then when we are disciplined, we are bound for breakthrough. So whatever those fortresses are that are holding us back, we sometimes we just have to be disciplined in our faithfulness and keep doing what God wants us to do. For, so they finally, and I'm summarizing several chapters here in 5 and 6 of Joshua, but they finally are, are going to go out and have their first battle. <laughs> this is so ridiculous. Joshua, I want you to go and circle the city. Like all the people circle the city. Why don't you do that once a day for six days? Say, what? Like, shouldn't we just, like, I, I know, Lord, I saw a vulnerable place in the wall that I think we could scale it. No, I just want you to walk around it. The city's closed up tight. And so they walk around the city for six days and nothing happens. Day after day after day, nothing seems to be happening. And they continue to do it. And Joshua has to continue to get them motivated to do it. And it seemed like nothing was happening and they were probably being laughed at. But um, eventually, um, they were... They, they experienced breakthrough. On the last day, on the seventh day, the Lord told them to circle it seven times. And on the seventh day, they were able to make noise. And so here's what we find in Joshua chapter 6, verse 20. When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So every man charged straight in and they took the city. They took what God gave them. Like It was all about just being obedient and disciplined to do what the Lord was asking them to do. And as they did it, they saw the hand of the Lord move. If you will remain faithful to what the Lord asks you to do, and you will constantly ask that question, what message does the Lord have for His servant? And when He sends you that message, if you'll be faithful to do that, God will keep you encouraged, and eventually you will find breakthrough in your life. So what fortress are you facing today? What is the thing that you're trying to find breakthrough in your life? Um, 
here, here's how it happens. I believe that this is the way it's supposed to happen for us. We even know in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3, Paul tells us, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful. What, for what? The destruction of fortresses. Like This is what Paul's saying. This is the New Testament promised life. We're not designed to be on that side of the Jordan looking over at the promised life. We're designed to cross into that battle, realize there are fortresses all around us, and we take new territory for the Lord. And so we want to be the people of the Lord who are allowing Him to lead us into battle. And, And the Lord has a plan when we go into battle to remove the strongholds, the fortresses that keep us from conquering the territory. And most of the strongholds are inside of us. And you know, what you know what I think most of them are about? You can't do that. <laughs> you would, God could never use you to do that. You, you, you couldn't help another person find their way to Jesus. You can't do that. That's a stronghold, man. That's a stronghold from the enemy telling you you cannot do something. When Jesus teaches us that when we abide with him, we will bear fruit. This is what we're designed to do. The Word teaches us that through the Lord, we can do all things, okay? So, so we got to get rid of those strongholds. And so the Lord has a plan to tear that down, whether it be with your kids, whether your marriage, an addiction you're facing, something going on with your career, whatever it is, if you are disciplined and focused on the Lord, the Lord will make a way. And so if we look in uh, Joshua chapter 6, verse 27, we end on this. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame spread throughout the land. What made Joshua so great? The Lord was with him. That's it. What's going to make you so great? The Lord is with you. What's going to make me great? The Lord is with me. What's going to make OPCC great? Is when we all get serious and the Lord is with us. We can't think of our church in terms of, well, my church does this. A lot of times people will come to the church and they're new to the church and they'll say, um, and they may be even introducing me to someone or something and they'll say, your church. And I'll say, no, 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 our church. It's our church. Why is it ours? Because we are the church. You are mine and I am yours. I belong to you, you belong to me. Isn't that a song? But we belong to each other. And so we, we want to be the people of the Lord who are seeing the incredible things of the Lord moving around and through us. And so the Lord is with you. And, and the encouragement that I have for you today is be courageous. Be a tribal warrior. The best thing you can do for your family is to get in the battle. The worst thing that you could do for your family is to sit on this side of the Jordan and just look over at the battlefield as an observer. The Lord designed all of us to be warriors for Him. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at www.overlandpark.cc.